Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. I don't even know what day it is for the podcast. It's supposed to be the Tuesday episode, but it's the Wednesday episode. Apologies on being a little late on the episodes this week, guys. We have the chance, TDN does, I should say, to cover a scouting event that is happening later this week, which we're going to tell you guys all about and give you tons of information uh, and athletic metrics on a lot of good prospects. But because of that, Our schedules have been shifted around a lot, and so it's for a good reason. We're going to be bringing you a lot of extra information later this week, but unfortunately, it's kind of pushed back the podcast a little bit. We're still going to get to all the episodes that we wanted to get to this week. It's just going to be a little later, and you might actually get some weekend episodes to to, to brighten up your Saturdays and Sundays as well. Today, we're talking cornerbacks. On the last episode, we went over our final evals for the safety position, gave some rankings, gave our film notes, talked about what guys would fit in what systems, and then came up with a ranking of our top five at the end of the show. We're doing the same thing here now with the cornerback position. There's a lot of different guys. Corners come in all different shapes and sizes, needing to match up against some diverse offensive players, now littering the NFL with a lot of different talent. It's going to be, I think Ben and I are going to differ a decent amount in the middle of our cornerback list. I feel like there's going to be the guys that that we are big on individually that maybe not might not be the consensus ben before we get to all that ranking talk how are you my friend why everything is delicious why do you think we're gonna disagree well because you have bad opinions ah that uh, that (laughs) okay just straight to the heart of the issue you weren't weren't ready for that one were you no i thought we were gonna like oh because i've heard you say this and that that." nope just because you uh suck at this (laughs) Ben uh, came up with the different superlatives that we are doing for the cornerbacks here today. So uh, we're going to gush over some of the same guys that we have at the top. But I think the heart of the class, the guys after maybe those those top three consensus players, which we'll get to in a second. But that's where a lot of people really want to know what we think about this cornerback class. How deep is it? Are there multiple starters at this level? Do you have to get a corner early? Can you wait a little bit on it? So we're going to talk about... Cover two safeties, cover three safeties, press man safeties. We're going to talk about our toughest evaluation and then our day three target that we really, really love. Ben, what do you, where do you want to start here with the cornerback superlatives? Hmm. Cover three, because I want to get a takeoff that I got off on this podcast when you weren't here and get your opinion wow. on it. Okay. All right. So let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I had Dalton Miller on from Monday podcast. Uh, Dalton Miller, who works with 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, he walked through some of his draft takes. We debated some stuff. Uh, he talked about how much he loves Ifiatu Melifonwu, the mm. corner out of Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse has two corners, Ifiatu Melifonwu and Trill Williams. Uh, Melifonwu from Syracuse, that name may be familiar to you. He's Obi Melifonwu's younger brother, right? Okay. Or is it cousin? No, it's his younger brother, I believe. Yeah, Younger brother, yeah, yeah. Um, Obi Melifonwu obviously was a safety corner guy out of UConn. Never was really able to stick in the league. Melifonwu is once, uh, Ifeatu, his younger brother, is once again a really, really good athlete. 6'2", 212, clearly has hops, clearly has long speed. Uh, extremely effective on the vertical route tree, right? And that's what we typically want to see in our cover three corners. Uh, a lot of hype for Melifonwu through tape. He had a very good senior bowl. I was impressed with a lot of the stuff I saw on senior bowl film. It was better than I thought a Syracuse film was. And that gives me a little bit of pause and has me a little bit concerned. The take I got off was I, I wanted Dalton to convince me that if Fiatu Melifonwu was anything more than Kevin King was coming out, which is a little bit unfair because, like, again, Kevin King came out, Washington, highly athletic, not a ton of production on the ball, the same way that uh, Melifonwu has coming out of Syracuse, clear cover three guy, was drafted into that mold, played for a team that then subsequently did not play a lot of cover three under Mike Patton uh, and was like, he's okay. Like he's fine. Like right now the 
the, the national discourse on Kevin King has never been lower because of what happened to Kevin King in the playoffs. But like he's right. uh, there'd be nothing wrong with if Ayatu Melifon were being drafted in round two, maybe round three, probably round three, uh, and and ending up Kevin King for his rookie contract. That'd be okay. So it's not like a huge criticism. I just I see people with Melifon who is like a top fifty player, and to me that's too much. So my best cover three corner is if Ayatu Melifon, who I think you when I say best cover three corner, is he going to be like better than Caleb Farley in cover three? No, but like that's the scheme that's going to maximize him. And I want to know, are you thinking, all right, this is just another Kevin King type, this is another long shot, this is another just big swing at the plate, or is this guy better? Is he more pro-ready? Is he going to be able to step in and be steadier than Kevin King ever was? I I liked Ifatu Melifonui State, and I think that you're right. I think he plays zone better right now, but I also felt like I saw some man capabilities from him too. I liked when he was staring at receivers. Now back to the ball, he's he's not as comfortable as when he could keep his eyes on the quarterback. But I don't know. I I it seems like I'm a little bit higher on him than you are. I, I just liked his overall athleticism, how he was able to play the position. I, I had him as a potential impact starting corner as as his ceiling in this class, and so I don't know, it just sounds like I'm a lot higher than uh, than you are on him. I'll throw out a different name, and we talked about this name in the pre-show. I like Paulson Adebo. And for cover 3? Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. I do. I like Paulson Adebo when he can keep his eyes on the quarterback. Yes. I see I I like Adebo also in zone. I like him in cover too because I I go back to that Gabe Davis 2019 UCF film where anytime Paulson Adebo had to turn and run, things they got did not go well for Paulson Adebo. And when we talk about zone cover corners, cover 3, that's the vertical route tree. You got to be able to turn and run. Cover two is the shallow route tree. It's the, it's the shallow zones. You got to be able to identify. You got to be able to cheat. You got to be able to make quick transitions. So that, I always think of Adebo as a cover two guy. I'm interested that you think of him as a cover three guy. Uh, maybe I just think, maybe I'm betting on his athleticism a little bit more than you. I like when he's able to keep his eyes on the quarterback. I think that he's got good recovery speed, though. He's He was a kind of a weird evaluation for me because I sometimes questioned his overall athleticism, like what you're saying there, when, when things have to get vertical. But I felt like he closed really well at times. And so there there were plenty of clips where I go, okay, maybe he's not the athlete that I want him to be. And then there's other times where I looked at it and I was like, oh, man, he puts his foot in the ground. And he starts to get going. He closes the distance all the time. And so I, I just think he's his own corner no matter what. But maybe I'm a little bit higher on his abilities. I felt like when I was watching his tape, obviously he didn't play this season. And I feel like people just got bored. Of Melifon or not Melifonu of uh, of Paulson Adebo. Like we we started mm-hmm. talking about Adebo his sophomore year because he had a lot of crazy good plays. He had a lot of nice pass breakups. His ball skills were fantastic. He was really bursting on this team. And then it's like we got bored. I, I don't know how else to say it because I watched his 2019 tape and I was like, this right. guy was fine. Like he was like he was good. He, he wasn't making the big splash. Let's talk about he Paulson also, Adebo now, but. Like- on top of opting out, he also was one of those guys who his best season was his like freshman season, or was it his true sophomore? Twenty eighteen. It was it was a true sophomore year, I believe. Right, and then twenty nineteen wasn't as good, and so people were like, oh, never mind. And then he doesn't even play in twenty twenty. It's like, all right, now really never mind. Right, you know? but but I, I like I I thought his twenty nineteen was fine. I really did. It just wasn't as crazy impactful. It wasn't like or, six picks or whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't new. Yeah, it was it wasn't brand new. And so when I watched his tape in twenty nineteen, I was still very encouraged. Maybe you're right about the maybe you're right about the differentiations in zone of him playing because now now that I'm thinking about it, he, he his his best and probably most impactful plays probably came when he was able to play that shorter zone. I just had faith that he could be a total cover three guy. Maybe it's just like it, it's good zone. Good zone instincts translate. It's like that. Like you know, I think if you it's a little bit like where are your eyes. Oftentimes when you're like in a cover two zone, you get have your hips and your eyes into mm-hmm. the backfield versus a cover three zone. You're more likely to have your hips and your eyes. Uh, working like in a, in a bail, right? So your eyes are on the quarterback, but your hips are going to be turned downfield because you got to run. Uh, so it, I, 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 a I lot never, of it depends I, on alignment. I never really, I never really noted that against him. So mm-hmm. maybe, I, maybe I wasn't looking at it enough. Now that you bring it up, I, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the tape. But when I saw it, that was not something that I that was like consistently pointed out to me. I mean, like the Gabe Davis game is bad. Like that was his worst game. It's I think not covering good. right. That was his worst <laughs> game covering vertically, and so. Maybe I just maybe I just looked at it like that 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 was his worst game and some guy sometimes guys just have bad games and you got to throw it out because I feel like the rest of his tape even when he was asked to cover it vertically he could flip the hips he could get the arm in there he could be physical with you and I thought that he had a good understanding of when to turn the head around and and when to look for the ball because he's got the really great ball skills 
I think I'm just higher on him for an upside for a cover three guy than you are. No, I, I, I respect it. And, and I have not, as I told you in the pre-show, finished Paulson Debo's film. He's the best corner that I haven't done yet. Uh, and that's probably because uh, of what you were saying earlier, is that there's no new film. And so I've been putting him off because I've already seen what was in his film. I don't want to go through and grade it again. Um, don't just watch the Gabe Davis game, people. Go beyond yeah. the Gabe Davis game. I remember 2018 Notre Dame because I was there for that game. Mother Mary, he's a good football player. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was one. Right. That was one of the games I watched. I I, I watched that 2018 Notre Dame. Yeah, game. So, I was very impressed. Let, all right, so let's talk then. Those are cover three corners. If uh-huh. Yatsu Melifonu and Paulson Adibo, uh-huh. you want to move to co- cover two? Sure. Yeah. Let's okay. talk about that. Who's your Who's your cover two guy? So my cover two guy Which, is Elias. Let's Let's explain right. what exactly we mean w- with a cover two corner. Right. So if you think about defenses like Minnesota under Mike Zimmer, uh, Indianapolis under Matt Eberflus, and then likely it'll end up in Philadelphia as well. Uh, think about what Buffalo likes to do in quarters uh, and cover two with, with Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, obviously Leslie Frazier and, and Mike Zimmer coming from a similar tree. Um, who else is a good cover two team example? There's at least one more. You don't, oh, you don't um, have to stretch yourself. You gave good examples there. Right, okay. Uh, so and we're thinking about corners who are going to be able to line up about five yards off 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 line of scrimmage. They're not mm-hmm. going to be forced to be up in press coverage. They're going to be responsible for short zones. Uh, and usually those teams are going to be heavy match teams. Like a lot of what was written about Kansas City uh, and, and under Steve Spagnuolo coming up through the Super Bowl. Those are going to be teams that they want their corners to be smart. They want them to play with their eyes in the backfield. They want them to be able to close on multiple routes. They want them to be able to split routes. They have to know how to understand route concepts. You're looking for high football IQ. Great transitions and then explosiveness, the ability to close on the ball. Because you're going to give them a short area of the field, and you're going to expect them to be able to dominate that area of the field. Uh, Jair Alexander is your prototype. Tredavious White is your prototype. These are guys who obviously are, are quite good in man coverage, but when they're in zone, they're elite because their mm-hmm. eyes, their feet, and their, their route recognition are so, so good. Yeah. I have Elijah Molden down for this, and it's a tricky one because there are some other guys who – can be good for this. Paulson Adebo, Asante Samuel, who we're going to talk about more later. Uh, other plays, Kelvin Joseph, what I think is a good developmental player for this, the kid out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Stokes, really good. I think cover two corner as well. But I chose Molden because he started at the nickel. He started inside of the slot for Washington. Uh, multiple season starter. He's a senior this year. Captain, high caliber player. Uh, strong in man coverage in the slot. Strong in zone coverage from the slot. He is 5'10", 190. And so... These are facts. While, while he is slot corner size, he is not prohibitive to playing outside size. You know what I mean? Like like 5'10", 195, we could very easily get away with on the outside. That's not a problem. His length is a little bit of a question mark. Like if it's 5'10", 190, and he has Avante Maddox arms, then we're in more trouble. But if he's got regular length, average length, we're going to be okay. This is the smartest corner in the class. I think that he's from awesome top, from top to bottom. I think like it's not like oh he's the smartest day too. No, I think he's the smartest corner in the class. And and I I have a history of falling in love with some of these Washington players, especially in the secondary. But I just think they're so well coached and they clearly understand their responsibilities. He is I, uniquely I, good at seeing what's going on behind him. I could not explain it to you. There are did, just there are. Go ahead. Go, no, no, no. No, finish your finish your thought. I would no, I was gonna say there are games where he's making he, he's taking drops from the slide. He's in dropping into short zones. And I don't know how he knows what's happening. Like I don't his 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 feel for space, just okay. That was the receiver's alignment. That's where the quarterback's putting his eyes. I'm dropping to slant. I'm dropping to a hook. I'm dropping to a curl. I'm dropping to a flat. He's just never wrong. Like and quarterbacks can't move him. Uh, I I don't remember who the Oregon State uh, quarterback was this year. He's got a weird name. Um, But he was trying his darndest to move Elijah Molden in the middle of the field. Molden was like, I am just better at this game than you are. I know what you're doing. He's so rock steady when he's in zone. And he's good at man. So, Molden. Draft him, play him in the nickel, probably. Mm -hmm. But if you're a very heavy zone team, Uses guys in short zones. You can very easily get away with this guy on the outside. I really believe that. Do you want him to be playing against the Kenny Galladay's of the world? Devontae Parker's? Yeah. No. 
Right. Because right. he's going to lose those matchups, right? And, and and that's why he's not around one player. And that's why he's not viewed as, as, a, as an outside player. And I think he's going to be drafted to be in the slot and play in the slot. But I think if you are a team that's going to deploy your cornerbacks in short zones, you're going to let them play match coverages, you're going to let them rob within five yards, right? Play palm, play two read, whatever. This is the, the he and one other guy who, again, we're going to get to later. These that's the guy that I want. I want Elijah Moulin on my football team because I just don't see him make mistakes, and I see him with play with calculated and and, and decisive aggression, and he regularly makes plays because of it. So I I love Elijah Moulin's film was sick. Uh. I think that you could get him on the outside if you're playing cover two. I was going to ask, did you have an affinity for Washington players before you were the Pac-12 beat writer for TDN that first year that we that we were a company? I mean, I I was the TDN beat writer, or I was the Pac-12 guy in my first year working for TDN. Right. So it's not there wasn't too much of a before, but I like when I watch Jimmy Lake corners, I see good players. Yeah. And sure. like that's right. 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 And, and you know, there's a little bit of like scouting the helmet there. And like, I wasn't big on Cindy Jones and Kevin King that one year. So like I was kind of out on them there, but like, I like Keith Taylor for what he is in this class. Keith Taylor's their six, three, 200 pound outside cover three corner, right? He's another guy in that Kevin King, sort of a mold. If you have to mm-hmm. Um I was big on miles Bryant two years ago. Uh, and, oh yeah. Right. And I don't know if you know, but miles Bryant plays uh, like dime quarter, uh, slot safety for the Patriots now. And the Patriots, like, he, he's got his problems in the NFL, but the Patriots love him. They put him at linebacker on, like, third and 13 because he's just nuts, right? He's like, oh, it's a draw play? I'm going to go murder a guard. And you're like, dude, you're 5'8". Like, you can't do this. <laughs> um, so I, those, I, I, just, I tend to find those players really, really smart, and, and, and they play with good aggression without taking unnecessary risks. And that's always, I think, very important in the secondary. So, yeah, I tend, I tend to like these Washington guys. And this year, I, I like Keith Taylor for what he is. He does not tackle at all. Like, it's not like regular corner doesn't tackle. It's like he just doesn't do it. Um, but uh, uh, Elijah Molden's really, really likable. I really love Elijah Molden. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that I was going to bring him up in any, any of the categories that we have here because I don't think he's an outside corner. I think that that would probably be to your detriment if you have to play him an outside corner. You don't want a situation where you could do that. You would rather have a better outside corner option to allow him to play in space in the slot because you're right. He deals with space so well. He is unbelievably smart. I was shocked, Ben, that a player of 5'9", 5'10", 185, 190 pounds was playing safety and coming downhill to fit the run as much as Elijah Molden was. And that just like goes to show you how good this dude is, how smart this is, how strong he is how for his size and how much they trust him to do absolutely everything. And so he's one of my favorite corners in this class, no doubt about it. I just didn't, I mean, you are you are not wrong. If he were to be an outside corner, he would be a cover two corner. You would want him in shorter zones, and I think that that would be fine. But I think that he deals with space a lot better to where you would get more out of him if you played him in the slot. I think he's a nickel defender and also, I guess, at times a safety, even though I look at his measurables and I'm like, how in the world is this guy doing this? I wanted to read my, my scouting blurb on him because I, I think that, yeah, it, it goes on and, and helps explain your point about how much instincts go into his game, okay? So here it is. Son of Alex Molden, who was an eight-year NFL corner, that football family background shows up in his instincts. He reads the field, and how fast he processes live plays is extremely impressive. This allows him to make excellent breaks on passes in zone coverage. He understands spacing well, makes consistent impact at the catch point because of it, Love his competitive tough, toughness. This guy looks like, I have not here, this guy looks like he watches Jamal Adams tape every night before bed. Just like takes that safety nickel. I will say. I'm going to go after you kind of mental. Go ahead. I will I will say that he needs a new celebration besides double arm flex. No, the double tackle. arm. <laughs> it's just every single time. It's like, oh, rally, tackle, stand up, double arm flex. And that's like, just right, a, yes, that's a corner thing, though. Like, that's what everybody likes to do. Like they, Because I get it. The corners are disrespected. They say that corners don't have the play strength of everybody else. So when you come up between the tackles or just off the edge and you make that tackle at the line of scrimmage, you flex on them. You want to let you look at these muscles. Everybody disrespected me. Don't come to my house. That's that's Elijah Molden. I got to respect it. Uh, last part of the blurb. He'll fly into a pile of all trench players just to get in on the action. 
Uh, his time at safety and coming downhill has helped him hone in on his tackling ability, even for a smaller guy, which is a part of his game that now he can boast even at a smaller size. It's hard to find something that you don't like about him. He's quick, he's explosive, and he is so, so smart. The guy that I would mention as a cover two corner, and I think he's more than this, but along the same line of thinking, I would tell you Greg Newsom. Like, I think that Greg Newsom would be a really good short zone cover corner. Not that that's all I think that he could be, but I loved his instincts. I loved how he saw the field. I loved how he was able to put his foot in the ground and get going, change direction, keep his eyes on the quarterback. That's when I felt like he was at his best. He's so smooth moving around in zone. You leave him in off and he's got great spatial awareness. And so, you know, if he's got a guy over top of him in the deep halves and you give him a short zone, that would allow a player like him with his burst, with his reaction timing, both in in physical ability and mental ability. I mean, like, he would just be a very high-impact short zone defender. So I think he's more than that, but that would be my top cover two guy in this class, if you will, on the outside. Yeah, uh, right. For me, I think, right, I think that if I have Greg Newsom on my team, I want to play a heavy dose of zone. No doubt. But I also feel like I can play anything because Greg Newsom is extremely good at football. He is good at football. Where is Love he this uh, kid. Where is he where is he ranked for you? You're gonna find out. Okay. Okay. He's trying to get ahead of the podcast. No, okay, so so my my thing with him is I loved a lot of Greg Newsom's game. I did sort of have concerns about one play strength and then two like top end speed. Like him carrying guys all the way vertically. Do you have? Do you not have those concerns at all with Greg Newsom? Yes, play strength, no top end speed. Okay, so you think? I'm, all right. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't think he's running a four two four like Caleb Farley did, which, by the way, is not real. Did you see this? No, it's listen, dude. Caleb, I, according to, according to my agent, I ran a four flat in my backyard last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I, because of the way. We're talking about playing cover two, we're talking about playing quarters because of the way that Northwestern plays defense. They're they're a middle of the field open team. Newsom was often protected from having to carry guys deep without safety help. So he regularly elected to play in the trail, knowing that he had safety help when he was working downfield. So I would say that like I don't watch his film and go, aha, here's all these moments of very clear big speed boy. Mm-hmm. But when I see him open and run, to me he's fine. It's not like uh Sean Wade thing no well I mean Sean Sean Wade's a completely different story and and we're gonna get to that later in the podcast I don't I don't know I just I had more concerns about his top end speed than I thought that I was going to because I saw a lot of the clips that were being shared on Twitter and I've of course watched him live and I've watched him a little bit here and there and so I, I like what I see from him but there were a couple of moments where I just felt like okay I wonder if I would want this guy to have an entire third of the field the majority of the time He's so smart, and he's so good at spacing. I think that that's on the table. It's not like it's it's a giant liability if you're letting guys get vertical with him. I just, man, I wish I knew what he ran. I, I would love to have athletic testing numbers for Greg Newsom because if he knocked it out of the park with that, I'd be like, man, he's going to— I he, think he's going to be a good athlete. He, he, I think he, he will be. He would jump up even higher in my rankings. I have him plenty high. I think that he is a—, a, a potential starting corner in the NFL, no doubt about it. I just wonder about his top speed and, and how you can play him. So that's why he's the first cover two guy that came to mind. We got some more superlatives that we're going to get to. But before we get to that, we got to give a couple words for our betting folks out there. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, basically anything. Bet online has you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED ON, all caps, one word, LOCKED ON. Bet online, your sports book experts. All right, back for our second half of the podcast cornerback discussion. We talked about some cover two guys that we like in short zone. Talked about some cover three guys that we like covering a third of the field. What's next? What's the next superlative you got here? Press man? Uh, I know we wanted yeah. to talk about press man a little bit. 
Right, yeah. Our last kind of scheme-specific conversation here is press, man. And I tried to to get somebody else's name here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I Keith Taylor is an interesting one. I think Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, if he's going to be good, it will be in press, man. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Benjamin St. Juiced out of Minnesota, who I I I like. Like we're I talking, didn't, I didn't watch him. So yeah, he's good. Like he, I'm, he's not good now. He might be good later. Um, he's he played a ton of press, is very comfortable in it, has length, has transitions, needs to figure out what he's doing at the catch point. Uh, and 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 has these bad mental lapses where he just like panics or he just like guesses and you're like dude you're fine like you're huge and you're you're quick just like chill uh and so i don't know if he and it's tricky because he has a lot of experience so it's like you can't be like oh it's because he's young like he's started a lot uh so uh, i i struggle with him but i like him as a day two guy the reality is that the this is not a good class for press coverage a lot of the, the it's a pretty small class Elijah Molden, Aaron Robinson, Asante Samuel, like Robinson and Asante Samuel out of UCF and Florida State, respectively, are two of the more experienced man cover defenders in this class. And mm-hmm. they're both like sub six and have pretty short arms. Right. Um, and then a lot of the taller guys, Izzy McQuamu, Trill Williams, Ifyatima Alfonu, are very clearly better zone players. Uh, so the best press man guy is still Patrick Sutan. To me, there's there's very few corners in this class who have the experience and technical prowess in press coverage who also have the athleticism to hang there in the league and i think that sertan is miles ahead of everybody else that i mentioned uh clear round one player expect the top 15 pick the reason I, I do think it's important to mention him here is because when i had my hesitation with sertan in the summer it was because i felt that he didn't fully trust his feet at the line and he would grab at the line in press accordingly and that's something that freaks me out uh we're gonna talk about jc horn later freaks me out sertan got better at that this year in my opinion i think sertan's feet at a line of scrimmage got better and maybe i just watched bad film in 2019 and better film in 2020 but i liked more what i saw from him technically i went back and i watched 2019 the same 2019 games i watched for the summer and then 2020 and i felt like there was an improvement that will be where he's successful because of his density, 6'1", 205. He's a very well-built guy, so he controls the red line. We talk about the red line being the line halfway between the bottom of the numbers and the sideline. That's where you want to be on your vertical routes as a receiver because it leaves space between you and the sideline for the, the quarterback to deliver the ball back shoulder. Sertan does not let receivers have it, bullies them off it, very dominant in the first two yards on that release. Uh, so he gets receivers tucked up against the line of scrimmage, or tucked up against the sideline, excuse me. And then he's, again, because of that density, he's such a well-built dude able to put his hips into you, turn his shoulders, start to locate the football, and ride you into the sideline. Very, very successful. Taking you where you don't want to be, closing throwing windows. So that's why, like, a lot of Sertan's targets are his worst reps. And then he's still great at the catch point. He's able to get physical, and he's able to contest for the ball and break up passes. But his best reps are the ones you don't see on broadcast when we see on All-22 because he just shut people down. Right, like ball's, ball's away, not coming his way. Yeah, taking away that half of the field. So isolated, backside, man coverage, one-on-one, press, no safety help, only middle of the field safety. Patrick Sertan's my guy in this class. It is funny because, you know, we we, we watch corners and we watch broadcast films sometimes when all 22 is not available. And, of course, you get the most exposure from a player when the ball goes his way, right? I mean, you could see how he covers the route at the beginning, the release, you can see what happens in the break. You can happens when the what happens when the ball gets there. How much of an impact he can make on the ball. You see all of these things when the ball gets thrown their way. Job of a corner is you want to cover them so well, the ball doesn't get thrown their way. You don't even you don't even yeah. want the cornerback to even look over there and be like, I can't throw this ball. There's no way that they're getting it. There's no space there. That's Patrick Sertan. He is unbelievably smart in how well he can frame himself space wise to just make it seem like there's no room there. He doesn't get beat deep that often because of, I think, how well he plays up against all kinds of different wide receivers. He's so smooth. He's so smart. Yeah, he doesn't have that high-end athleticism. He doesn't, especially over the guy who I think you and I have as CB1 in this class. It's just not there, but he is so rock solid, and he can absolutely play as a CB1 in the NFL, even with not athleticism that blows you away because of how well he plays the position. I still think that that's all in the cards for him. Best press man corner, though, I, you mentioned Sertan. I'm going to mention J.C. Horn. 
you you no. you, you said that you you're you're totally you're wait did you say you're totally out on him i'm not totally out on him okay here's been my jc horn uh arc summer people were like this guy's really good i was like ah, da, 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 da. and then he had his season and it was like oh jc Horn's playing well that's good that's nice that's nice and then the auburn game came and people were like hey Jason Horn is a clear-cut corner three. He might be a top 16 pick. No. He can't. I don't see that being successful. I feel like since then, and since more people have put final films on on, on J.C. Horn, both in our field and in the league, you've heard that chill a little bit, right? Like, you're still seeing J.C. Horn up, like, in the first round. You're still seeing corner three off the board, but it's no longer, like— could he challenge for top 12? Like, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, and back half of the first round, JC Horn, premium position, man cover heavy team. Sure. I'll give it to you. Like, I, I did his final film and I liked him better than I thought I was going to. You have to play him in press man. I agree. But A, you got to play him in press man because he cannot play off coverage. And B, he still, if he, if he gets beat to the line of scrimmage, panic. And that, I can't, I, that always, a year one starter. Against NFL speed, going to be guys like like Horn likes to throw that two-handed jam. You cannot do that nonsense against league players. Florida, we gave him uh, Florida. Who's uh, who's number eight on Florida? Uh, Trevor Grimes. Grimes, uh, and then uh, the who other is big better kid. than people are giving him credit for? Yeah, eighty-nine, shorter, shorter, yeah. Justin shorter. Right. Yeah. They just started putting kids off the line of scrimmage. They just put them at a, a, a Z alignment right. you know, when they right. had him on Horn. And yeah. then they're getting free, and because Horn can't throw, and so he's got to open his hips. And then he would open his hips, they would get their, into their release, and he would immediately close to get connected. He did not want to not be connected to these receivers. And he's mm-hmm. drawing flags, and he's, he's, he's making plays that are going to get called. Like, it's going to be even harder in the league because the league calls those things soft. So with Horn, it's like, yes, he's a press man fit. Yes, I, I I would understand him at the end of round one. I did not give him a round one grade, and I think he's going to draw a lot of flags. So a lot of this is like, it's not dissimilar to the arc I had with C.J. Henderson, where like I thought people were too high on C.J. Henderson after the summer. I thought they were too high during the season. I did the film work. I liked him better than I thought I did, and I still thought people were too high on him because I think that he's going to draw a lot of flags, and I think that quick, the quickness and the speed of NFL releases are going to give him hecka problems because it's one thing to dominate like when you're that physical and we're that that strong this horn is so strong mm-hmm. you shut down 80 percent of reps before they even start like seth right. williams has right. no idea how to go around a guy seth right. williams only knows how to go through a guy and he's been able to go through everybody he can't go through jc horn horn never got tested beyond like one second into a rep by seth williams once players started like winning the first second that first release Horn does not have the answers I want him to have, and he's going to not win as many reps early in the league, and I'm worried that his lack of answers is going to come back and bite him. But also, he's good, and I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read you my blurb on what I wrote for J.C. Horn. Started 10 out of 11 games as a true freshman and never looked back. Has three years of experience under his belt and visible growth that has come with it. Highly competitive player in man coverage, not afraid to line up with any assignment inside or out. Works best as an outside corner who can play press close to the line of scrimmage. Impressive hip fluidity and change of direction for a player of his length. Very comfortable with the physicality that comes with playing man coverage. Will consistently stick his hands into the catch point with good timing for pass breakups. However, he doesn't show a mind for taking the ball away as often as he does knocking it away. The tackling ability is there, but we don't always see it with consistency. Potential area of concern is the hand grabbing works for now at the speed level that he is at. But when the speed level gets turned up and when he goes up against players who have better releases, if his anticipation does not get better, he will be a penalty machine. That will be his biggest learning curve early on and maybe an area that forces him to struggle and learn. But otherwise, he is a very exciting prospect. That was my blurb on him. I don't disagree with any of it. And I especially think what's important is he did get better year over year. Right. That's good news. Right. I just think he is... I think that drafting him as a year one starter would worry me. I would so much rather like draft him when I have a starter on a contract year and work him in over time than throw him out there to the fire. Because I think when you throw a kid out to the fire, he relies on his habits and Horn is in bad habits. When I look at J.C. Horn, I think of Carlton Davis's arc in the NFL. 
Because Carlton Davis, when he came in with the Buccaneers, was very similar. He was super physical. Mm. He relied I'm angry. on. Okay, well, keep talking. Keep I talking. know because you liked Carlton Davis. Loved Carlton Davis. But I'm I'm not necessarily talking about it from the prospect angle. I'm talking about the journey that he had when he got drafted to the Buccaneers. He tried to be very physical with people, and it was either too physical to where he was drawing flags, or he just wasn't comfortable doing that without. And so there was a big learning curve with Carlton Davis, and it really wasn't until midway through his second year when the light turned on from him. But then everything there came out. And since then, he has been a shutdown corner in the NFL. And so he struggled a good bit his first year and a half. And that was because of similar things. He relied on his length, his natural athleticism, and his ability to be physical with wide receivers at the college level that did not know how to get off of his physicality. The NFL was different. Guys were shuffling, giving him all sorts of different releases. He was swinging and missing when it came to the punches at the line scrimmage. And like he was getting beat a lot. He had to get a lot of reps under his belt and a lot of tape watched before he could really hone in on being comfortable with how fast wide receivers were in the NFL and how quick they were with their releases. So I see for Horn to start, I agree with you. I think that he really can struggle his first year, and that might be the case. But we have seen that that's not always the kiss of death. He would have to kind of turn it around there. When All right, so now I'm giving you free reign to talk about Carlton Davis as opposed to J.C. Horn. I just thought Davis was so much better technically. I I I had not seen a corner so technically sound in press coverage coming out than I saw at Carlton Davis at Auburn. That's why I talk about answers, right? Like we talk about a lot of times on offensive positions, right? You'll hear me talk about like arrows in the quiver, tools in the tool chest, right? You gotta have X, Y, Z, and you're gonna be a better prospect. Edge rushers, right? Edge rushers are the aggressors, even though they're on defense. They're throwing the the reps, they're throwing the moves. Tackles have to have answers, corners have to have answers. You you need to be equipped to handle multiple body types, multiple release moves, multiple approaches, offensive schemes, philosophies, whatever. Like you, you, you are a reactive player. And I think that the big difference for me between Horn and and Davis is Horn is like, I'm going to bully you. I'm going to be the aggressor. And Davis was like, I have that, but I also have this and I have this and I have this. And I agree with you. Davis's arc at Tampa Bay was multiple years and it was longer. Ooh, I hit my mic. It was longer than I thought it was going to be coming out so I was maybe maybe too high on Davis and I believe uh, but I I believed in a player who I saw varied responses at the college level and I think now you see him be so good in a scheme that largely did not use his best traits press man coverage until late in the season and then even then woke things up shut down Michael Thomas like he's he's one of the best young quarters in the league so I think that he had more answers Horn may get those and I agree with you if he does it will take multiple years on it Do you have a name down for JC Horn? Comp like wise? a no, I don't. I didn't. I didn't do. I didn't do player comps for for my scouting reports. Do you have a guy who you like? I I, I do ish because it's it's Shaquille Griffin out of UCF. Okay. That was a really has it been most successful when he's been impressed. Cover three corner in Seattle. Uh, Shaq Griffin, like you know, ran four three eight and jumped thirty eight and a half. I don't think we're getting that from JC Horn. Yeah, but in terms of not great ball production, not going to be a high interception guy, going to win when he gets a shot into the line of scrimmage, going to discourage targets. That's going to be J.C. Horn to me. But I don't love it because the athleticism difference. Okay, uh, I'm going to read off some numbers for athleticism, and you just tell me whether you think that J.C. Horn's going to be over or under. You want to oh, do that? God, I'm so bad at this. No, yes. I know. There, there's no pressure here because you also don't even have the context of knowing who it is, okay? Okay. 34-inch uh, vert. Yeah. You think you think Horn's more explosive than that? I think Horn will get around 34. Okay, what about 4.53 40-yard dash? 4.53? Yeah, 4.53. Back out of here. No. What do you think he's running? Way slower? 4. 4. 6. So you think that Horn w- would run a 4.46? Four, four, yeah, mid-4.4s. Mid okay, all right. Yeah, that's like perfectly, that's a regular thing. I just listed you off Carlton Davis's 40 in vertical. That's fine by me. No, I know. Davis, I, no, I know. Davis also 6'2 with 33 inch arms or something. Yeah, how long are, man, I wish we had uh, JC Horns. Oh, 6'1, 32 and three quarters. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. He's on 206. He's huge. I love him. <laughs> 
No, so I just I, I I wanted to kind of like just like put that athleticism into context. He's bigger. I he's got he's got more weight yeah. on him. So, all right, toughest eval. Uh, hold on. Before we get to that, ad break. Hold on, we got an ad break, folks. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years. You can go over to RockAuto.com right now and shop for auto and body part needs from hundreds of different manufacturers. Whether it is a fix or up or an upgrade, RockAuto.com's guy. You can go to RockAuto.com right now. Look on the left side of the screen. You will be able to find your exact make and model immediately. See exactly what they have for your car. See if they got it. If you don't see what you're looking for. Their customer service is fantastic. You can hit them up. They'll be able to get you exactly what you need or get you in the direction of where you need to go to find exactly what you need. If you do end up contacting them, just write the little, especially if it's online, write locked on NFL draft in their little how did you hear about us section. That would be really appreciative. That would really help Ben and I out. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, which is an important part, and then all of the car parts you were ever going to need, we guarantee it, over at rockauto.com. Final thoughts on this cornerback class, including our top five rankings coming up next. All right, toughest eval? We doing toughest eval? Yes. All right, let's hear it. Who's the toughest eval? The bottom half, waist down, of Kelvin Joseph going around <laughs> of Kentucky. <laughs> Mine's Kelvin Joseph, too. So Is the best cornerback in this class. <laughs> yeah, sure. And the top half, hands and eyes and head, is not <laughs> the best cornerback in this class. Kelvin Joseph's a really, really fun watch like if you're like uh trying to get into the league or like trying to like get into scouting and learn stuff watch kelvin joseph firstly he played everybody right kentucky was like here cover kyle pitts and then tomorrow cover devonda smith and he was like yeah okay sure uh so that sucks uh they play him up the line of scrimmage they play him off they play him in deep zones uh variety of things on the kentucky defense and like i said it, his feet are great extremely fluid player very natural four-star recruit to lsu yeah i get it uh watching him move that's easy like that 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 comes effortlessly that man was built to play corner just swivel hips oily whatever you want to say love it does not know how to frame receivers just doesn't have the experience the redshirt sophomore he was a transfer he's got one year of starting experience just doesn't know where to put his body relative to the other guy, right? You just got like deep outside stems from, you know, uh, receivers who are isolated backside. It's like, yeah, dude, this is a nine ball. You got to get upfield hip. And he's like sitting in the trail with no safety help. Like you can't be there, man. Like that, you got to understand where you got to be. So like the, he, he's, he's out of his pedal. He's T-stepping, his leverage step coming down, uh, you know, come back route and a slant and he's breaking and everything. And then he gets to the receiver and he just doesn't, get his hand into the catch point. He just hits him with his shoulder. Right. Buddy, you got, you push, you got length. Right. You just go, go, and go. Right. Play on, the, on, the, on the football. And then he'll have a pick on a Devontae Smith target. That's like picture perfect ball tracking center field, elevate top of the, you know, contested catch physical. And you're like, I just do this all the time. Uh, and so there's these really, really good moments where everything is synchronized. Everything is connected. Uh, he sees the field well. He, he knows where the route is coming, and he's got everything you want. And those moments are few. They're far in between, and they're very, very enticing. Uh, so much inconsistency. that, And this is true of all positions, all rookies, but especially of corners. I think if you put him out there in year one, it's a death now. Because, again, you're going to put him out there. He's going to start. He's going to rely on the habits he has, and they're going to get him in trouble. Uh you cannot draft him to play in year one. Get him in the building. Maybe put a little bit more meat on his bones. He's carrying 190 at 6'1". It's a little bit thin. Get him more comfortable playing with physicality. Put him out there with NFL physicality right now. Done. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I would say hopefully play him in, in a zone team just because I don't think he's ever going to be very physical. But whatever system he's in, get him there. Get him comfortable. Year two, year three. If you've seen enough from him that you don't have to re-sign your start or whatever, then you put him out there. So he is a developmental player with a very, very high ceiling. Mm -hmm. Really, really good athlete in his feet. You just can't do it now. And you have to be patient. You have to trust your development. And that's a tough, tough thing to do. I have his tag as a developmental backup for what you are drafting right now. And then the potential is a high NCB2. I have him for. And so, like, there is obviously a big potential that he could have, but 
the big part of his game that really worries me is I, I just don't know if he, I, I just, I, I don't think that he sees the game the way that he needs to right now. Anticipation, reactions, knowing exactly what to do in certain situations, having a natural reaction of, like you said, like, oh, the arm goes up now, or like, oh, I should be doing this. It's not where it needs to be in a lot of different areas for him. I, I, I think that he has all the tools that you would want to be an outside corner in the NFL. He has the athleticism. He has the size. I just, I, I can't trust the anticipation right now. I think that you're right. If you draft him to be a starter right away, I think it's going to be ugly. But I don't say that to mean I don't think that he could be a starter. Uh, we we kind of we kind of see him eye to eye in that this is a tough eval because a lot is presented to you in Kelvin Joseph's game that you like. There are a lot of things on the field and on his tape that you really like. The worrisome part is the anticipation, the recognition, all of that is paramount to playing corner. And he does yeah. not have that at a starter level right now. So you and- are projecting him to get better at that, which is not always a guarantee for guys. So, stuff. And that's the thing is with so such little experience with the transfer with whatever. Right. It's way too easy to watch his bad raps and be like, it's because he doesn't have experience. Don't worry about it. Right, but it. You, right, you like, don't. You, you don't you know. You can't do that. Right. You do, you just don't know. That's why it's a tough eval. I wish I yeah. could, but like I can't. So you're right. Um, this is this is the same thing. This is a very. This is a very tough eval for me. You want to talk about a favorite day three player? That's the, that's the last superlative we got before we run into our top fives. Yeah, I uh, I watched Oklahoma corner Trey Brown get up on the line of scrimmage on Tylen Wallace and bully him for four quarters. <laughs> okay, and I, I loved it because I love Tylen Wallace and and Oklahoma. They they were just like they said. We're going to line him up in line of scrimmage. We're going to have, he's going to shove you. He's going to commit multiple penalties, um, but he is not going to let you get into your route tree. And with Tylen, what do we always talk about? We obviously haven't done wide receivers, but we talked about Tylen Wallace a lot in this podcast. Skills don't match the traits. Very physical receiver, great catch point receiver, big bully of a dude, but he's not huge. And so Trey Brown, who is 5'9, 188 met Tylen at the top of the mountain. You know what I mean? He he came and said, I'm going to go punch for punch. It's going to be a heavyweight fight. And because Tylen doesn't have elite quicks to get off of that and elite size to to beat a player of, of Brown's diminutive frame, Brown had some of the best film I've ever seen against Tylen Wallace in his entire career. Can he do that at the league level? Absolutely not, because it's just not tenable, right? He's going like He's just throwing punches, just jumping off line of scrimmage. But the physicality was awesome. He has over 50 career starts at Oklahoma. He is extremely willing to come downhill and play the run. Total hair on fire Tasmanian devil player. Clear special teams dude. With his size, you're probably going to put him at the nickel. So we're talking about line of scrimmage, press coverage, nickel defender, with a tons of experience on the outside. Draft him day three. Put him on special teams. Cross-train him inside-outside. He's backing up multiple positions. Uh, and, and when you put him out there, he will never lack for confidence. <laughs> he's going to get targeted because he's a backup. He's going to you know, circle this guy's go after him. He will not care, and he'll go punch to punch with Julio Jones. Like He does not give a hoot. Uh, so extremely fun film to watch. Uh, aggressive dude. I like Trey Brown a ton. Okay, I'm going to pivot here. Because I, if, I do, if I don't, then I don't get a chance to talk about a guy that I kind of wanted to talk about. I don't get Aaron Robinson. You don't get, as in, as in, like, he's not good? I, it's, I, when you say not good, that just sounds so harsh. But, yeah, like, I, I just, I, I don't get it. He's a taller, bigger nickel player, and I think that people see allurement in that because he's got size, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's athlete enough to play in the slot, at least from the games that I watch. Maybe I'm watching the totally wrong games. Here, I'll, I'll read you my blurb on him. Just tell me if I'm crazy. Robinson's an interesting player because he brings length to the slot corner position. Former Alabama corner who transferred to UCF, where he took over as the slot, starting slot defender. He likes to play in press. He likes to play in press coverage and has nice change of direction ability. But the overall athleticism after that was constantly a question for me. He's overly grabby when when wide receivers break, and I feel as though that's because he cannot keep up with them through their route progress. With limited ball skills and a need to improve tackling, he's a developmental player for me. Could be a nice starting nickel if the tackling was better, but because he is he is pretty smart all around and near the line of scrimmage against the run, but there was a lot left to be desired with his film watch. 
Uh, is that too uh, harsh? Okay, where do you have him ranked? Low. Define low. I mean, he's he's uh, he's CB eleven for me out of thirteen guys that I watched. All right, CB eight for me. Okay, and I agree with you in the sense that I don't think he's a perfect fit outside. And I don't think he's a perfect fit at nickel. I waffled on where I wanted him to be. With that said, I think that the quickness, explosiveness, physicality blend is NFL caliber. So it's a little bit of like, a, if I have to solve the problem when he gets here, I'll solve the problem when he gets here. Like I think physical traits-wise, he's better than you're giving him credit for. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know exactly where he's going to be. I feel, like I, I feel like I watched too many times either somebody ran a mesh route or a dig that he just like, he literally couldn't keep up. It does not help that UCF was like, oh, it's third and three. What if we play cover one? That's, and everybody was uh, like, yeah, we get it. That's, prob- that's probably fair. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm judging him too much on that, but oh, I I just didn't see it. Maybe I'll get burned for that one, but that's I, I, I got to put it on what, what I saw on I, film. I, I just didn't get it with Aaron Robinson. Yeah. He's another one where people were like, ooh, end of the first round. And I was like, no. You know what I mean? I, right, I agree with that. Right. Like I said, like I wanted to understand how low you had him because I felt like we were roughly the same. We felt like we were different. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, no, I would not want him round one. He'd because I don't know what he's going to be. I mean, I, he'd be an early day three guy for me. I gave him a round three grade. Okay, yeah. I mean, like he's he's a fourth or fifth guy to me, fourth yeah. or fifth round guy for me. So I'm just lower on him than you. I need to do top fives. Yeah, or, but yeah. but but before we do that. We have to talk about Sean Wade. As Do much we? as as much as I don't want to, this was a guy that we built as a first round player for a long time on this podcast. We did uh, midweek mock drafts, and it just it just continued to be bad. And Ben, I I, I don't know what happened, man. I don't know what happened, but I I I genuinely got sad writing his scouting blurb. Can I read it to you? Please, let's edit. The first sentence is literally, it pains me to write this. That's the Those are the first words that I have in Sean Wade's scouting report. It pains me to write this, but I have not seen many starting cornerbacks who play with less confidence than Wade does. That's, that's a really good way of saying it. He has good size and flashes some, some good athleticism at times, but most of his film is him giving way too much space and offs coverage, quote, playing scared, and getting turned around in coverage. It's hard to analyze his skill set because he looks like a shell of the promising defensive back that we saw early on in his career. His entire NFL future is a projection because what might matter most isn't improved technique or even adequate athleticism, but rather a voice to get him to believe in his own abilities again. That is my scouting blurb on Sean Wade. Sean Wade cannot play in the NFL right now. The, the the 2020 tape that we saw from him right. will not play in the league. He will not he will not be in the league for more than two years if he plays like he did last year. But I, he's so much better than that. He just he right. he 2019 looks like, didn't evaporate. He looks like even if you don't think he even if you watch 2019 and you go this is not a first round corner that's fine. He was an NFL corner. He was a depth corner. He was a guy to to, to stick around on the on a depth chart in a rotational role in 2020. He looked like he was he was like spiritually defeated. He looked like he had nothing left in him. And I don't know I don't know what happened. I don't know if something might have happened in his life off the field or or what, but he does not believe in himself. And we talk we we kind of jokingly talk about this all the time that like our corners have to have swagger. They got to be talking crap. They got to be in your face. They got to have an attitude. It's so important to playing corner. I have not seen a starting corner ever play with less belief in himself than Sean Wade did in 2020. And it was really sad. And right. I and I hated that for him because I do think that he is a talented kid. But that's the that's the that's the scouting takeaway that I had, and he's obviously the bottom ranked corner that I had because he can't play like that and, and survive in the NFL. I if if we were not in early March, I would have been like, maybe Sean Wade's been playing hurt all year, but he likes had multiple opportunities to be like, I've been playing hurt all year, and he hasn't said that. And he looked slow. Yeah. As heck. He looked he looked slow. He looked slow. And nope. he can't transition. Right. He can't flip. Well, like they're putting him in they're putting him in bail. And it's like, all right, if he's gonna bail, then he needs to be able to like T step, right? Put a foot in the ground, 
drive and, and, and open his hips quickly to get back downhill. Because you're bailing, your hips are going to be downfield. And you got to be able to turn your hips and come back down the line of scrimmage. He's way too leggy. He's not sinking his weight. Which I don't know if, like, maybe just technique-wise, like, nobody ever walked him through it. Because when you're playing in the slot, you're not going to be bailing like that. Right, you're going to be bailing right. with your back to the sideline. So just, okay, don't play him in bail. All right, well, then he can't play press because he's guessing, and he has no strength and pop to his hands. Okay, so you have to play him in off coverage. Well, now we're back to 2019 Sean Wade. He's a slot. He's a safety. He's not an outside corner, and that's not good. I feel like he's a safety at best, but right. even he that needs sucks. To- rip the Ohio State pro data shreds because you you the only way you're convincing yourself he's worth development is if athletically he's right elite right because right. you saw him try it this past year and you realize what a long and tough road that'll be to hoe if you're trying to make him an outside corner I hope somebody talks to him and gets him to believe in himself a little bit more because I, I I just that's that was the main takeaway of, of watching this film all right let's get to the top five is before we get out of here who's your five all right five to one in order five Asante Samuel Really, wow, really, really let's go, player. baby. Really, yeah, you were right. Shout out. Let's go, baby. Um, I didn't want to mention Samuel as the cover two corner because I knew I was going to bring him up top in top five. Uh, he is a elite cover two corner. He's a great short zone player inside, outside. You can play him outside, though, because he's so good in man coverage. I uh, think he's got really, really smart transitions. Yeah. Uh, wastes no movement. Plays with aggression, much like his pops, high quality stuff. Uh, he's baby Jair Alexander. He's not as good as Jair was, um, but so much of what he does at Florida State is similar to what Jair did coming out of Louisville. Uh, so I like Samuel a lot. Four is Greg Newsom. Uh, Newsom to me is the best, most versatile, most dangerous, most impactful of all these tier two corners. Uh, quiet because of some of the the injury concerns. Didn't have a, a lot of reps before the season, limited season, whatever. Um, but the the talent is very very clearly there. Three is J.C. Horn. Uh, I, Horn and Newsom are both round two grades. Samuel's round two grade for me, so Horn is a round two for me. I don't have him as a top 25 player, um, but still, I would get it. You know, back up in the first round, you play man coverage. Number two is Patrick Sertan. We talked about in the press man section. Number one, Caleb Farley. Unreal, oh dude. Listen, if you were right on Asante Samuel, I sat here and I tried to argue you were right. Patrick Le- in the we, we, we got 55 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about Caleb Farley much yet, but now it is time. We are gushing about this dude because he is nuts. His yeah. potential is crazy. The way this guy moves for his length. It's nuts. It's it's uh, he's absolutely so best part of Caleb Farley is how much better he can get. Yes, you watch it. Yes. And there's reps where he's just like, because, again, it's a you know, wide receiver transition and he's playing all these off zone reps. That's not really built for his uh, his his athletic traits. Right. He's like six two two oh five. Uh There's plays where he just like does not realize what's going on. I posted a funny clip on Trevor's timeline of him uh, keying down on Chase Claypool running a curl. And Ian Book doesn't throw it, uh, but Farley's already triggered, so he just nails Chase Claypool, and then he gets up, and he's so confused, <laughs> right? But there's like all these, reps, right? There's like every so often, like two or three reps a game where he just like, you know, loses a constraint play, like doesn't like gets fooled in misdirection, like still just trying to figure stuff out, and that's just gonna come with experience. It's gonna come with time in a system, and once that's leveled out, good night. <laughs> Especially if, if if you get a good DB coach, teach him how to press because he doesn't really play much press coverage. Uh, when he does, it's fine, but there's obviously a, a lot of technical improvement answers, right? We talked about that can come. You got a DB coach teach this guy to press, and he can still be his size and be like closing down from 10 yards out on underneath routes. Oh, just shut up, go home. <laughs> He's so good. I love him. He, I will tell you, he got the highest cornerback grade for me, without a doubt, with no question about it. Patrick Sertan also got a very good cornerback grade for me. And I would tell you that Patrick Sertan is basically at his ceiling right now. And yet Caleb Farley might not even be close to his. That's that's the prospect that we're talking about here. Caleb Farley might end up my number one defensive player in this class. And he's not even close to his ceiling. I'm, I'm, I mentioned the words to you, the, the two words to you yesterday, the two names. Last name's Ramsey, first name's is Jalen. That comes to my mind when I watch a guy with this size move the way he does. 
I'm not sitting here comping him to Jalen Ramsey because I think that Jalen Ramsey was a more complete and technical cover corner than Farley is coming out. But we talk about guys of similar size profiles being able to move the way that they do, being able to flip the hips, being able to mirror, being having that recovery speed. That's rare, dude. That's 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 so rare, and that's what gets you the most excited about Caleb Farley. He is, no question about it, worth a top 10 pick to me. Yeah, okay. So the, Caleb Farley, I mentioned this earlier, posted a photo on his Instagram of him running a 40. He's shirtless. He looks incredible. Uh, and the caption says, Ben's Beach Bob update. Yeah. Now the caption says four two four. It is worth noting this is not a video. It's just the caption says four two four. I would love it if he's just straight lying out of his butt. I would also love it if he <laughs> ran a four two four. I don't think he's going to do that. But we're talking about a, a legit four four athlete at wide receiver size. You yep. know what I mean? So like yep. four four would be for real. I think his pro day is going to establish him not only as the best corner in the class, because I think Sertan will be like a good athlete, but nothing incredible. Um but also, right, a top 10 pick, one of the potential best defenders in this class. The only thing that could hurt Farley right now, even for the fact that he opted out and teams might be apprehensive around that, is that there is the injury history. Uh, he had the torn ACL when he first got to Virginia Tech. Uh, and then in 2019, he was missing games with back issues. Uh, and he's really jacked. And so I think he probably lifts a lot. And you don't necessarily want that in your corners because they just have to be so quick on their feet. And also if that's causing him back issues, like that's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So medical checks are going to be important to him. Uh, He's got to get those clear. If he does top 10 pick, if the Broncos pass on him, they're outside their God given minds. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay. So number five for me very quickly. Number five is if I Melifonwu. I, I, I guess wow. I, I have a much higher ceiling on him than you. I really like the way that he plays zone. I think that he is, Man, I think that he has CB1 potential on the outside. And I also, I really didn't think that he was that bad man either. So I, I think that he's got a lot more versatility to play man or zone. You start him in zone because I think that's where he's most confident. But I got faith that he could play man as well. He's got the athleticism to do it. He's got the length to do it. And I'm betting on that. At, right after that, I have Newsom at six and I have Asante Samuel at seven. But they're all in kind of the same bucket for me. These are different corners in different ways. And so like when we have tiers, that's a tier that I have there. Four for me is Elijah Molden. Such a good, he's just such a good player. He is going to play a streamlined role. We talked about it. It's a nickel defender. It is potentially a rotational safety type, but you will never be disappointed. He will never do something that you just go, what the heck was this kid thinking? Instead, he's going to give you so much solid play as a corner. And you and I talk about it plenty on this podcast. It's not just about outside corners. Yeah, those are the guys, of course, that you're drafting in the first round that you like to have a high impact because you like to shut down the wide receiver ones, the guys on the outside, but wide receiver ones, they, they run all over the place now. You know, like, they're, they're in the slot, they're changing spots, they're they're on the line of scrimmage, they're Z's off the line, you know, like, they're, they're all over the place. You've got to have three good corners. You've got to have guys, especially in the slot, who know how to manage space, and I think that that's what Elijah Molden does really, really well. J.C. Horn is three for me. I just see the very high potential about what he could do as a physical corner. I think he's going to be plenty athletic. Mm-hmm. He just, like we said before, might struggle early on in his career, and he's going to make he. Th- there is going to be a make or break point with J.C. Horn in the NFL, whether or not he becomes a CB one type afterwards, or whether he kind of falls to the wayside and bounces around the NFL. There will be a breaking point for him, and I think there's going to be a learning curve before that point. But I'm betting on him to hit it and to survive off of it and thrive even. Patrick Sertan is number two, such a great corner. You know, in the similar mold that we talk about Elijah Molden, he's just not going to do anything wrong. He's going to be the perfect guy for you. He's going to be able to blanket wide receivers. His spatial awareness is fantastic. His football IQ is fantastic. He can tackle. He can fit the run. He's He is all around. He's one of the most well-rounded corners that, that I've watched in a long time, but the highest ceiling gets the number one guy. CB1 in this class is Caleb Farley. So no, uh, no Greg Newsom for you, top five? No, he's six for me. Ah. Uh. No, I said really? that I have Melifone wound five, I have Newsom at six, and I had Asante Samuel at seven. If you could show me that Greg Newsom's got hella athleticism, I might flip him and make him five. But I also said when I was doing the Melifone wound bit that I have Ifatu, Newsom, and then also Asante Samuel Jr. They're all in the same bucket. They do different things, but they're all in the same tier of corner. So it depend- depending on what you would like for one of those guys, you're probably selecting them there. Friendship was fun while it lasted, man. Jeez, come on. <laughs> I love Greg Newsom. Gonna end the friendship over Greg Newsom. 
Good player. I am very I, I am interested to see how he kind of pans out for me because like in the scouting blurb, I, I love his instincts. And I, I I said this on yesterday's podcast. I'm kind of trying out a new formula this year where I'm weighting things a little bit differently for a lot of different players, almost every single different uh, position that I, I have something that I'm weighting a little bit different this year. If Newsom really, really pans out, and even if he still isn't the athlete that I thought he was, then I'm going to have to adjust and basically say, like, look, if you know what you're doing, if you know the spacing, if you've got the quickness, like, you could just play a corner. That, that's all there is to it. So I, he he is somebody that I'm keeping my eye on a lot because he'll go a long way into what I continue to learn as what a, what an elite corner could be and what's most important about that. Because corners, as I said at the top of the show, they're all different shapes and sizes now. You've got different styles the cover two, the cover three, the press man, what we talked about before, deep zone coverage players, guys who win with length, guys who win with change of direction. Yeah, you'd like these people to have all of it, and some stuff's more important than others, but that's what we're trying to figure out. And putting guys in the right position, that also goes a long way. Linebacker is next. We're doing linebacker. To round out the scouting portions of this week before we get to Fan Friday, I'm going to try to have the linebacker podcast out at the end of Thursday. Although it I might thought you be, said we were doing it not th- not Thursday. You're doing it on Monday. No, I think we. I I think I can make it happen on Thursday. I want to. Okay. I want. I want to give the good people give the, the podcast people as as soon as possible. And so I actually had a little bit more time than I thought today to watch a lot of linebackers. And so hopefully we can give you that guys that pod as soon as possible. Fan Friday is going to end the week, but it might not be on Friday. We might ask you for the question before Friday, but it might be something that we've got to put out over the weekend. Either way, we will get that to you as soon as we possibly can. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.